You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Again, if you have your Bible to Luke 15, we'll go there in just a minute. I'm so glad you're here. If you're a first-time visitor, I'm, I'm thrilled that you took time out of your schedule to be with us in church this morning. Amen. And you're in the right place. And, and, and what we're going to do, we call preaching. The Bible says over in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, in verse number 17, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Salvation's not in a baptistry. It's in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. So we're not going to try to stand up here and preach with words that you don't understand. Amen. We're going to just try to preach very plainly this morning the gospel. And he said in verse 18, I love this verse. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. God chooses the foolishness of preaching. And you can see that all through this passage. And notice, God doesn't choose foolish preaching. But God chooses the foolishness of preaching. What we're going to do is we're going to proclaim the gospel. And some would look in and say, there's a man, he's preaching, he's proclaiming, he's loud, he's moving around. How foolish is that? But that's God's preferred means of bringing sinners to salvation. Amen. Amen. Through standing up and preaching the word of God. And so we'll preach, and we're very honored to preach. We're very humbled that we get to preach God's word, but we don't apologize for preaching. Amen? That's what God's called us to do. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to Luke 15. I'm going to read the entire chapter. Again, you can stay seated because sometimes as I read the chapter, I start talking and you might be up for a while, okay? So just stay seated. Luke 15, the Bible said here, Then drew near unto him, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, then drew near unto him, all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. Boy, I like that verse, amen? If you're, a, if you're a sinner and you're in church this morning, you're in the right place, amen? Because when Christ lived, then drew near all the publicans and sinners to hear him. And the Pharisees, that's your religious crowd, that's your holier-than-thou's, literally. That's, that's the do-gooders that are trusting in their own works for salvation do not understand that Christ has come and that Christ loves sinners. And so the religious crowd of Jesus' day, the Bible said they murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and needeth of them. What a terrible thing that God as a man, Jesus Christ is fellowshipping with. He's eating with sinners. He receives sinners. But I think the angels in heaven must have rejoiced when they heard the Pharisees start criticizing the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm so thankful. I don't know about the angels, but I know this much. I rejoice that Christ received sinners. Amen. And so the Bible said he, that's Christ now, spake a parable unto them, that's the Pharisees. That's those that are murmuring and are criticizing him in their hearts and minds. And, and really, the Bible said he spake this parable. He gives three stories in this parable that I want to share with you this morning. Here's what Christ said. He said, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he laid it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home... He calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep 
which was lost. Now watch verse number 7. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over 99 just persons which need no repentance. What about that? Amen. And we're going to come back to that in a minute. Then he gives a second story. He said, either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me. This is the second time of rejoicing, all right? For I have found the peace which I had lost. Verse 10, it's a repeat of verse number 7. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Amen? When a person gets saved by the grace of God, the angels aren't murmuring. Amen? The angels aren't criticizing, saying, this man receiveth sinners, amen. God loves sinners, all right? And verse 11, and if you're here and you're a sinner, I got news for you. God loves you, amen. I'm telling you, you're in the right place. Verse number 11, and he said, now this is Christ, and Christ is going to give his third story in this parable. The Bible said a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And watch this, he divided unto them his living. A lot of times we hear that the inheritance just went to the prodigal, but the inheritance went to both right at this time. He divided unto them his living. Both boys got their inheritance. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his country, or excuse me, took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with righteous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. Now watch this. Christ is speaking to Hebrews. Christ is a Hebrew. He's a Jew. They're Jews. He's given a Jewish story to Jewish people. And he said, this boy was sent into the fields to feed swine. Do you understand that hogs are an abomination to the Hebrews, They're, they're uh, hogs and swine, that's an abomination to Jews. And the Bible said this Jewish boy, he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. My, how low sin will bring you. How low rebellion will bring you. Rebellion against God. How low it will bring you. He's down trying to slop with the hogs. And when he came to himself, thank God for that. Maybe you're here this morning and God's brought you to a place where you can come to yourself, amen. Come to your right way of thinking. He said right here, when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say, Father, I have sinned against thee, against heaven and before thee, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son, Make me as one of thy hired servants. Somehow, I think from the far country, out of that hog pen, all the way back to his father's house, I think the boy kept probably reciting that over and over. I think he's probably nervous to see his father. I think he was probably a little bit fearful of seeing his father. And I think he was rehearsing this. When I see him, I'm going to say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before thee, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Father, I've sinned against heaven and before thee, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy, and I think he had that thing memorized by the time he got home. But the Bible said, and he arose and came to his father. But, that means contrary to, amen. All right, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. Now just stop right there. I told you to stop sometimes in common, all right. 
But listen to me right there. His father saw him a great way off. You know what that means? His father was looking. Amen. Can I tell you, if you're here and you're a sinner, God's looking for you. Amen. This morning, if you're here and you're a son who's backslidden on God, God's looking for you this morning. Amen. And so people argue and say, well, this is to the sinner. And somebody else says, this is to a backslidden son. I could argue it both ways. Amen. Because I see both here. And I think God wants you to see both right here. If you've wandered far away from God, it'd be a good morning for you to come home. Amen. All right. And so the Bible said here in verse 21, the father saw him, had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Man, if you're here and you say, man, I just don't know what God would think if I come on back home. I don't know what God would think if a dirty old sinner like me was to come to a Savior. Can I tell you? He'd have compassion on you. Amen. He loves you, man. The Bible said he ran, he fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son, he's, he's going he's gonna to recite that, that, that memorized prayer. Father, the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight. And I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. And he got cut off in the middle of his recitation. He never even got to finish his prayer. That's how excited the father was to see him. He never even got to say, make me as one of thy hired servants. Instead, the Bible said, but the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe. Amen. I don't want just any robe. I want the best robe. And, and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand. And shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. What's going on? There's another party. Amen. There's rejoicing going on because another lost one has been found. Now watch verse 25. This chapter kind of ends on a sad note. But remember the whole context is the Lord speaking to those who were murmuring against him saying, This man receiveth sinners. The Bible said now his elder son was in the field. That was the boy that received his inheritance, and he didn't go squander his inheritance with righteous living. That, that prodigal, he was a rebel, there's no doubt about it. But this boy right here, we're going to learn, he's, he's a picture of the Pharisees. This is the one that the Lord's given the whole parable to. This, this one's a type of who they are. The elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. I mean... They're having a good time in there. By the way, you say music and dancing. That ain't the kind that a lot of people think about. Amen. Just want to say that right there. Amen. They weren't doing the skunk skedaddle in the house. Amen. Or, 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 or anything else. I won't try to talk about it. They weren't doing that kind of nonsense. Amen. They were excited. They were rejoicing. They were celebrating because this boy had come home. And the Bible said here, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, thy brother is come. I can imagine this servant, all the excitement around. There's the father. He's excited. Everybody's excited. He said, thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf because he hath received him safe and sound. The servant was only interested in, in what the father thought. He is excited because the father's excited. And he was angry. What do you mean, man? Here's a boy that's come home. And he was angry. There's a sheep that's been found. There's a silver coin that's been found. He was angry. And he would not go in. And the father, therefore his father, came his father out. Notice the same father that was interested in the rebel was interested in the self-righteous son as well. Amen. God's equal. Amen. God loves equally. God don't love saints more than sinners he don't love sinners more than saints amen God loves equally and the Bible said therefore came his father out and entreated him and and he answering said to his father lo these many years do I serve thee 
neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, yet thou never gavest me a kid. You think about that, guys. Think about that. He's got the whole cotton picking farm. He's got the whole ranch. You never gave me a kid. He said that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meat. That means it was fitting. It was right that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. That's something to make merry about. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I pray this morning. Lord, I'm just, I'm just a human vessel here preaching this. Man, this is a good story to preach. Lord, I'm just a human vessel getting to preach the greatest message, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, that you'd anoint me as I preach. Lord, this morning, I pray that you'd get me out of the way, Lord, and that the Spirit of God would speak through the Word of God. Lord, this morning, anoint me with the power of God as I preach. But, Lord, I pray you'd anoint the listeners as well. I pray that there's not one person here that would get distracted, that their mind would go somewhere else. Lord, there's application in this message for every one of us this morning, I'm sure. And I know, Lord, that I have the message that you want to be preached this morning. And I pray you'd work in hearts. Lord, if there's a sinner, Lord, may they get saved. If there's a backslidden loved one here, may they get right with you. Lord, if there's a self-righteous one, Lord, that's a good member and a longtime member of the church, Lord, may they come and get right with you. Lord, work in our hearts, Lord, and give us a thankfulness and a gratefulness for the fact that you receive and love sinners. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to preach out of this text as the Lord answers these, these Pharisees who are murmuring about how this man receiveth sinners. I want to preach on this thought, Lord, I'm coming home. Amen. Because that's really the overriding of the greater story here is a sinner who's coming home. It's a, it's a son who's rebelled against his parents and is coming home. I want to give you three points this morning. I'll try to keep it quick and just keep shirting away from the piano until we're ready for it. Amen, all right? But there's three things I want you to see here, and there might be a few subpoints. all right? But let's focus on the three points. I can't help but preach without subpoints. all right? But here we go. So when you hear point one or point two or point three, that don't mean it's done, all right? But here we go. Number one, real simple. I think everybody should be able to understand this. In all three, there's three stories given in this parable, all right? There's, there's the story of lost sheep. Is that correct? There's, there's the story of lost silver, is that correct? And there's the story of lost sons, plural, is that correct? Amen. All right, so we got three stories right here. And so I want you to notice that in all three of these stories, someone or something was lost. That's real, that's real easy for you and I to get someone or something was lost, all right? And I want to say, and I was reading John Phillips, he's a pretty good commentator, and he made some statements that I want to kind of bring on to you, all right? I never, there's nothing original with me, amen? Every time I get up, somebody said, if you steal from one author, it's plagiarism. If you steal from two, I can't, it's just thievery. If you steal from three or more, it's masterful research, amen? So I'm a, I try to be a masterful researcher, all right? Here we go. But, but here's what John Phillips said. He said, people get lost just like sheep. All we like sheep have gone astray. Anybody here want to lift your hand and say, I've never went astray? You'd be telling a lie if you did. Amen. And we just heard about it in Sunday school. Amen. There's a boy that thought he did everything well until the Lord pointed out the one thing he wasn't doing well. Amen. All right. We've all gone astray. People get lost just like sheep. We've gone astray. And then people get lost just like the silver coin through a sudden fall. Here's what John Phillips said about that. He said, the coin was lost through no fault of its own, but through forces over which it had no control. It came under the influence of the power of gravity. It just dropped, and it was gone. Lost 
in the darkness and the dirt. Listen to, man, this is good stuff. If you're saved, you'll get a hold of this. The likeness of a king stamped upon it became defiled. Worse still, it had no awareness of the fact that it was lost. That's, that's why I'm glad you're in church this morning. If you came here unaware of the fact that you're lost, I hope you leave saved. But if not saved, I hope you at least leave knowing that you're lost and need to be saved. All right? And so, then I want to say people get lost just like these two sons. One through rebellion and one through self-righteousness. We get lost the same way. We get lost once through the rebellion of sin and the other is through the pride of self-righteousness. And so there it is. Now, in our story, and let me talk about the boy and the prodigal here for a little while now. In our story, this boy wandered out into the far country. And I'm not preaching this morning on the far country, but since I'm here to the young people and to all of us, but especially to the younger people, amen, I want to just preach just for a moment about the far country and just make a couple statements here, all right? Because I wonder this morning if there's someone who's not already in the far country and you're listening to me right now. See, the far country in this story is measured in miles, but sometimes the far country is not in miles. It's in morals. It's in our mind, amen. Sometimes, listen, that's one of the reasons that we have kids and when they're 17 or 18 they walk out of church and we never see them again amen because they went to the far country a long time ago in their mind and they were manipulated into staying in church all right and so if that's you if you're here because you have to be and not because you want to be and you're flirting around with the far country can I tell you some things about the far country if maybe you're here and you say well I'm not a kid maybe you're here and you're an adult maybe you're here and you're an older individual but you're coming from the far country or you've been in the far country or maybe you're a good long time standing church member here, upstanding church member, but you're playing with the far country in your mind. Can I just give you a few things this morning to think about? The far country is no place for you to be. It's no place for you to be flirting with. It's no place for you to go. Listen to some things about the far country as we learn in this text. The far country will take everything you have. It took everything this boy had. He went to the far country in rebellion from his father, and it took everything he had, and it'll give you nothing in return. This boy's out there having lost everything, and now he has nothing. There's no food, and he's out here trying to slop with the hogs. It's a place that'll take your money, and it will. It'll take all the money you got. It'll take your morality. It'll take your youthfulness. Can I tell you in, in ministry how many times I've dealt with a person that I thought was maybe 55 or 65 years old that's been living in the far country, that's been living out in the rebellion of sin, and then as I began witnessing and talking to them uh, down there at Falls International, down there close to downtown Sioux Falls, I can't tell you how many young men come in there in the daytime, and I, put a, I learned to put a lock on that door, make sure that's in their, in their mind before I open the door, but I can't tell you how many came in there, and I'm serious, I think there's 55 or 60 because sin has a way of aging somebody, amen, and find out they're only 25 or 30 years old. It'll take your youthfulness. The far country will take your vigor. It'll take your passion. It'll take your pride. There's no pride left in this boy when he's in a hog pen. It'll take your sobriety. It'll take your virginity. It'll take your time. And it'll take your testimony. It will, it will, it will. And when this boy had a need, it took him away from family, it took him away from friends, it took him away from true love, it took him away from true compassion, it took him away from real comfort, and it took him away from real care when he really needed comfort and care. There was none of it out there in the far country. The Bible said no man gave unto him. Can I tell you something else about the far country? 
the far country, especially for people that's never been there, it's got some tremendously high highs. Sin will make you feel so good. Man, those highs would be like, man, I've never been. I'm not even talking about getting on drugs to get a high. I'm just talking about, it just, man, it give you some of the highest emotions and the highest feelings. You start playing around with sin, and it feels so good. And you have these tremendously high highs. And the Bible says there is pleasure in sin for a season. But can I tell you about the far country? It's got lower lows than it does high highs. I'm telling you, it'll put you way up there, and you feel like you're floating on top of the world, and it'll drop you off in the bottom of the abyss somewhere. And you're down there low, and there's nobody to help you in that time of need. Some tremendously high highs and tremendously low lows. It, it, that's what it has. Listen, a Hebrew living in a hog pen can't get any lower than that. And then, can, can I tell you something else? If you're here, whether you're saved or not, I just want to tell you one more thing about the far country and that hog pen specifically. It's a place, the far country and the hog pen, it's a place that will prove once and for all whether you're a son or not. Well, are you listening? The far country and the hog pen will prove your sonship. There's never been a hog out in a hog pen slopping all his hog slop that ever looked up and said, what am I doing here in the hog pen? Hogs love the hog pen because they're hogs. They love the, they're pigs. They love the pig pen. There's never been a hog that looked up and said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in thy sight. I don't know more whether to be called thy son, but a son in the hog pen, he'll come to that place. I'm telling you, the far country and the hog pen, it'll prove whether you're a son or whether, if you're a son, I'm telling you, you'll come to a place, you just have to come home. Amen. You just got to. Amen. All right, listen. But here's, here's a boy and here's a father allowing a son to exercise his free will as our Heavenly Father allows you and I to exercise, not manipulating him, but allowing him because he's old enough. Listen, if you're trying to train your kids and they're 18 years old and they're bent on backsliding, you might as well let them go because all the behavior manipulation in the world at that point ain't going to work, amen. If they're not going to learn through reproof, they're going to have to learn through the rod. Amen. You, there's two ways you can learn, folks, through the reproofs of life or the rod of correction. Amen. God help us to go the easy way and not the hard way, all right? But I'm just simply saying here, there, as we look at all these stories, there's someone or something that's lost. Number two, here we go. There was someone in all three of these stories, we find someone who was looking. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Yeah, can I tell you, if you're here lost this morning, there's someone looking for you. Amen. If you're here and you're a child of God and you've lost your way and you found yourself in a pig pen making a mess of your life, can I tell you, there's someone looking for you. Can I tell you, if you're one of God's children and you're backslidden, there's not, I mean, listen, if there's ever been a time in your life when you're closer to God than you are right now, you're backslidden and you're heading in the wrong direction. Can I tell you, you say, well, I'm going to run from God. If you're a child of God, you can run, but you can't hide. Amen. He thought he was running away from his father, but he ran to his father down there at the hog pen. Amen. There's his father. Who do you think put it in his mind, amen, to go back to his earthly father? Who do you think orchestrated the events down there and the famine to put it? That was the heavenly father. Amen. Are you listening to me? I'm saying in all three of these stories, there's someone that was lost and there's someone that was looking. Watch this. In the story of the lost sheep, the shepherd represents the son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Is he not called the good shepherd? Amen. Aren't you glad when you strayed as a sheep that the good shepherd came looking for you, amen? Aren't you glad he didn't write you off and say, hey, forget about that one. Forget about this over there, amen. Forget about Vargas, amen. 
Forget about Austin, amen. Forget about McCrary. We're just going to forget about them. Aren't you glad, amen, that when you went astray, the Son of God came looking for you, all right? And then in the story of the lost silver, the woman, that represents the sweet spirit of God, amen. Lighting the candle of a man's conscience and sweeping diligently his heart. Have you ever had to look for something you lost in the dark with no electricity? This woman had to light a candle, the Bible said, have you ever looked for a coin or just some, I, I, man, this past, this past year, this past week, I've looked for three or four things I lost, amen. I couldn't blame on nobody else because I don't have any kids at the house anymore, amen. Yeah, those days are over, and I don't know, Angie didn't lose them. That was me, all right. So I'm looking, I can't find a can. Have you ever had to move furniture to try to find something? That, this woman, the Bible said she lit a candle, and she's walking around with a candle trying to move. That's hard work in the middle of the night, but she's trying to find it. You know why? Because in the middle of the night, that silver was on her mind. And she said, that silver's supposed to be in the bag where all the other silver is, amen. It's not home where it needs to be. Can I tell you, you may be out there in the middle of the night lost in your sin and the darkness and the depravity of sin. And the sweet spirit of God is looking for you right yes, now. Yes. Amen. He's looking for you. You say, man, you don't understand how wicked I am. But he does. He knows how wicked you are. And he loves you. Amen. He knows how wicked you are. He loves you and he's looking for you right now. He is. He's, he's lit that candle of your, hey, some of you right now, if you're bothered by your sin, that's the spirit of God. That ain't your flesh. Your flesh don't get bothered at sin. That's the spirit of God. And the spirit of God, he's, he's lit the candle of your conscience and he's trying to get you. He's trying to get you to that awareness. Brother Steen, in the Sunday school lesson, that's the whole point the Lord was trying to do with that young man. Get him to that place where he was aware of the fact that he was a sinner before a holy God. Yes. Can I tell you, you're a sinner before a holy God. All of us are sinners, all we like sheep. There, there she is, a picture of the Spirit of God. And then in the story of the lost sons, the Heavenly Father is, of course, a picture of the Father looking for his son and seeing him a great way off. You say, what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying that all three parts of the Godhead are interested in lost sinners. Amen. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. They're on a triple quest, all wrapped up in one unified quest to reach you with the gospel. If you die as a sinner and go to hell, if you die backslidden on God, you will do so at your own will because it sure ain't the will of God. You say, what's the will of God? It's not the will of God that any perish, but that all come to repentance. Amen. And if you're here and you've never been saved, I'm just telling you there's no better time than now. The Holy Ghost is looking, the Son's looking, the Father's looking. There, there's a church waiting to rejoice, amen, when you get saved by the grace of God, amen. There we go, someone's lost, someone's looking. Somebody criticized the Father and said, well, he really wasn't out looking. I mean, he's back at home, he's not looking. Can I just say something to the parents here real quickly? A sheep is an animal. Sheep just goes out and strays. That sheep doesn't have free will in the sense that human beings have free will. The silver coin's inanimate. It's just lost. I mean, there's no life in that at all. There's a shepherd looking for a sheep. There's a woman looking for her silver. That, that Those are things that have no will. They can find them and bring them back. But can I tell you, when you have a child that's going astray, when you have a grandchild that's going astray, when you have a brother or sister that's going astray, when you have a loved one that's going astray, you just can't make them come back. You can't. There's the father. Somebody said, well, he's not out looking, but he was looking. Can I tell you this? And I'm not preaching on this. I want to preach on this, but I'm not. Amen. But can I tell you, he's looking, but he's looking in a different way. 
if, if you have a lost one that's, that's gone astray, the best way to look is on your knees in prayer. You know, it's an amazing thing. Here I am going to Africa five weeks from Tuesday. We're going to Africa. Right now, if I was to pull out my phone, which I left in my car so I couldn't get any distractions in church, amen, that would be a good thing for everybody to do. Amen, amen, all right. Because when I bring it to the pulpit and set my timer, it, it, it goes to sleep on me anyhow. And so there's, there's no point to it. Amen. Isn't that right, brother? Spillman. Amen. Calling me on that this morning. All right, here we go. So, so, so we have these things with no way. But I can pick up my phone and I can call to Africa. I can video Africa. I can get a hold of Pastor Dory over in a Premdo in Takarata in the western region of Ghana. I mean, that's a long ways from here. And I can pick up that phone and I can, I can video call him. And with no time delay, I can both see him and I can hear him. That's amazing. You say, how can you do that? Because I have a phone and there's the satellite up there, I guess. Amen. That's what they tell us. And it's just orbiting around this earth. Amen. And, that, and, and my phone, that satellite sees my phone and it sees his phone at the same time. So here, my phone bings off that satellite, the tower to the satellite, bing, with no time. I can't, man, I can't even get over that stuff. People say, well, I try to explain. I can't even explain basic stuff, amen. Neither can, we, none of us, you talk all you want. You can't explain it either, amen. We can't explain. I, I just can't figure it out, man. But there I'm talking, there he is. But he's not there. He's like seven time zones away, amen, on the other side of the world, across the, the United States and the Atlanta. And I'm talking to him in real time because I have a phone that it access the satellite. And I, can I tell you, man, God's greater than a satellite. <laughs> He's far greater than a satellite. There's God in heaven. I'm farther beyond that satellite. And can I tell you, there's nowhere your kid's going to go, and there's nowhere your grandkid's going to go, and there's nowhere your nieces and nephews and your siblings and maybe backslidden parents or whoever you got that's backslidden. There's nowhere they can go outside. If they're alive, they're not outside of the grace of God. Amen. And I'm simply saying that you get on your knees and pray right now and it works faster than that phone to that satellite. Amen. And I pray and God hears. You say, well, how do you know all that? Well, who do you think is orchestrating the events over there with the boy? Who do you think, who do you think brings a mighty famine in the land? Amen. Why, that's God that does that. He heard the father's prayers and he orchestrates a famine. Amen. And brings that boy, God's not going to force your will. He, he didn't force that boy's will. But he can sure bring you to a place where you want to come back home. Amen. He sure can. And that's what he did. He's not going to force. The old timers that say it like this. I don't know I don't know if you've ever heard this statement up, up in this country. But the old timers back where I come from, they say, hey, I can't make a man get saved in my prayers and neither will God. But I pray for him and I pray that God gives him a short bed and a long cold night. Amen. What are you saying? I'm praying conviction on them. Amen. I want them to realize, I want them to lay in that bed and wake up and realize I'm a sinner going to hell and start thinking about these things. Amen. That's the only chance they have of getting saved. Man, pray for your loved ones. Amen. That ain't right with God. Instead of talking about them, spouting about them, Facebook about them, start praying for them. Amen, amen, amen. All the behavior manipulation in the world. Well, bless God, if you come home, you better come home this way, that way, and every other way. Can I, all that, man, you're going to drive them further away. Amen. Just get on your knees and start to pray for them. Amen. And that's what that father's doing. He's praying for, I believe that with all my heart. Amen. And then can I tell you in all three of these stories, I'm about done. I need to be done. All right. No piano players. <laughs> I'll call for the piano player when I'm ready, all right? But there's someone lost, someone looking. And in all three of these stories, someone or something was located, amen? <laughs> Somebody got found, amen? I mean, in the parable of the sheep, it wasn't convenient to secure the 99. Let's get you all in the fold because I'm going out to find that one. But he did, amen. And in the parable of the silver, it wasn't comfortable to have to light a candle and spend the night looking and sweeping and searching diligently till she found it. 
But she did. Are you listening? Amen. She did because she wanted to find it. And in the parable of the lost sons, can I tell you, it wasn't clean when that boy come home. Are you listening? Parents, are you listening? Wasn't clean when he come home. This Hebrew boy who wasn't allowed to come into contact with the hog wasn't just touching the hogs. He was slopping down there with the hogs. Amen. He's trying to get the hog slop before the hogs did. How many of you ever been close to a hog pen or a pig pen? Raise your hand. I could tell when I walked in. No, I'm just kidding. Amen. All right. Amen. Listen, it doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't smell like Bath and Body Works, does it? It doesn't smell like pearls and lace. No, it doesn't. All right. Nasty. This boy was filthy. It was stinking. He was starving. And he came home, and his father recognized him. Can I tell you, daddies and mommies, his father, he, listen, don't take what I'm about to say wrong. We don't ignore sin. We don't condone sin. But his father didn't see the sin near as much as he saw a son. That, that hog, that was an abomination, that Jewish boy, that pig pen was just much an abomination to that father. It was just as much of an abomination. But can I tell you, there wasn't, no, there wasn't no showers on the way home. I don't think the boy stopped and put a quarter into a slot somewhere and got a public shower somewhere. He was broke. And he comes home, and I don't think he's real clean, and I don't think he smells real good, and he looks pretty nasty. And his father, and I think he's wondering, is he going to accept me, is he not? Is he going to accept me, is he not? Is he gonna, can I tell you, if you're wondering that this morning, quit wondering. He's going to accept you, amen? He's a great way off. And the father saw him, and he runs. And man, he didn't see the hog slop, and he didn't see the hog mess, and he didn't smell the stench. What he saw was a wayward son who was coming home, amen? And the Bible said he ran over there and he kissed him. That's an unshowered boy. That'd be an abomination. But this, see, that's where the Pharisees get it wrong. It wasn't that God's condoning sin. It wasn't that somehow God was compromising by fellowshipping with his son, amen? God saw a repentant heart, amen? And and that sin didn't matter in that moment when there was repentance as much as the son mattered. Can I tell you, you matter to God so much more. Your sin matters. His son already died for it, though. So that's why, that's why you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about your sin because his son already died for you. The penalty for your sin and for my sin was already paid on Calvary. You might be sitting here and you say, preacher, you don't know what I did, but God does and he loves you anyhow. And he's already paid for all your sins. You see, 2,000 years ago, and again in Sunday school, I think the verse was quoted, 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him, that's Jesus Christ, to be sin for us who knew no sin. He never sinned one time. Here's a, here's a baby, never sinned. Here's a little boy, never sinned. Here's a young man, a teenager, never sinned. Here's a, here's a young, early 20-year-old, never sinned one time. Here's what he said about his own life, not in a, not in a statement of pride, just a statement of fact. I do always those things that please the Father. Right. Ain't none of us can say that. Amen. Right. But he did. There's, there, I mean, there's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's called the sinless Son of God over in 1 Peter. Undefiled Son of God. There's, there's the Son of God. And when they tried to bring an accusation against him before they're going to hang him on the cross, they couldn't get two people to agree with one false accusation about him. What about that? There's Pontius Pilate saying, I'm washing my hands of the blood of this just man, attesting to the fact that he was sinless. There's Pontius Pilate's wife saying, I have nothing to do with this just man. She's attesting to the fact that he's just. There's, there's, there's the Lord Jesus Christ hanging on a cross, and there's a man who betrayed him. And the man that betrayed him comes running in, and he throws the 30 pieces of silver that he sold out the Lord for. On the ground, he said, I've sinned, and that I've betrayed. What's the next word? Innocent blood testifying to the fact that he was the sinless son of God 
There he is hanging on Calvary, and there's a thief on either side of him, and they're both mocking and reviling him. But somewhere one of those thieves came to his senses. He's dying, and he said, this man, talking about the one in the middle, Jesus Christ hath done nothing amiss. The father himself said twice in the lifetime of Jesus, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. There's the Roman centurion who's in charge of the Roman detail who would crucify the son of God. And as he looks, he says, truly, this was the son of God. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying he's sinless. Well, why would a sinless man die on the cross? Can I tell you why he died? He died because you're a sinner and I'm a sinner. Amen. He, I, I used to wonder when I was a kid why he never answered his accusers, why he never stood there and justified himself before Pilate. But I heard an old preacher say he wasn't on trial for his sin that day. He's on trial for your sin. He's on trial for my sin. And since he's on trial for our sin, he didn't answer a word. Amen. And he paid the pay. You say, what do you mean, preacher? I mean he paid the penalty for your and my sin. That's what I mean. Amen. I'm telling you, here's what the Bible said. He was wounded for our transgressions. Can I just, I want you to get saved. If you're here not saved, I want you to get saved so bad. But can I just take a minute to shout right there, amen. I'm glad he's wounded for yours, but I'm a whole lot gladder he's wounded for mine, amen. He was bruised for our iniquities. I'm glad he's bruised for yours, but I'm telling you, I'm glad he's bruised for mine, amen. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we're healed. I'm just simply saying that God hath made Jesus Christ to be sin for us who knew no sin that you and I might be made Hallelujah, the righteousness of God in him. Do you know that sin can't come into heaven? So Jesus said, I'll take your sin. Do you know that righteousness can't go to hell? So he said, I'll give you my righteousness. Once you come to Christ for salvation, you're doubly in. Amen. Amen. Your sin goes to the account of Christ. His righteousness goes to the account of you. And when God looks at you, you know what he sees? He don't see your sin. He sees the Son of God. He sees the righteousness of his Son. By the way, that's the best robe in the passage. Amen. He said, bring out the best robe. Amen. That's a picture of the righteousness of Jesus Christ being put over the sinful, filthy rags that that boy had on. Amen. Are you listening? I'm just saying somebody was lost. Somebody was looking. Somebody was located. If you're here and you've never been saved, this would be a good morning for you to get in. Amen. If you're here and you're backslidden, you can't walk out of here saying, well, God in heaven, he don't care about me. He doesn't love me. Can I tell you, he does. Before I wrap the message up, before I call for the piano player, I got one more just quick sub point to make. Are you ready? We come to the end of the story and there's the sheep. He's in the fold. He's back reunited. Man, they're rejoicing. They're having the time of their life. Amen. Kind of like we do when somebody gets saved. Amen. If somebody gets saved after this service, I'll guarantee somebody in here is going to say amen. And if you don't, I will. I'll shout amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I mean glory to God. Amen. There, in the parable of the lost silver, man, there the silver is. I guess back in the bag or wherever she kept it. Amen. There it is back in the lockbox. Man, it's back in the home. They're rejo- There's a celebration going on in her house. And they're over at the prodigal son's house. Man, there the son is. He's been gone for so long, brother. He's been gone. And he's back home, and they're rejoicing, and they're celebrating. Except for one guy. There's one guy not celebrating. The older brother comes home. And the older brother says, what in the world? What's going on? Man, there's a party. Nobody put this on my calendar. I didn't know anything was going on. What's going on? And the servant comes out there running, and he says, man, you don't understand. Your brother, he was lost. We just found your brother. And he said, what's going on? And he said, I'm not going in the house. I'm not going in the house. If my brother's in there, I'm not going in the house. I don't care if my father's in there. I'm not going in the house. That's self-righteousness, church. Amen. 
And the father, the same father that would act as a shepherd to find the sheep, that would act as the spirit to find the silver, that would act as the father to find the son, he's not done looking. He went back outside of the house again. And he said, son, all that I have is yours. It all belongs to you. It, you've, you've had it all, it all belongs to you. It's tragic. You know what's sad? You know what's tragic? The Jews were so spiritual. The Pharisees, I mean, they were so spiritual. And Jesus looked at them prior to this. They had, they had many conversations. And one day, these spiritual guys that had their collars turned up, I mean, they couldn't fellowship with any sinner. One day, Jesus said, there's coming a day and those pagans from the north and the south and the east and the west, they're going to be fellowshipping with your forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You guys are going to be out, out, outside looking in. You're not coming. You say, why? It's not that he didn't want them. They didn't want in if they were sinners. Amen. When we're so good and our church is so good and our heaven's so good that sinners aren't welcome, then the Father's not welcome anymore either. Amen. You mark that down. Let's not ever as a church get that good. <laughs> I want to be holy. We just, I want to be righteous, amen. But I want my righteousness to be that imputed righteousness of Christ, and I want to live that righteousness out in my life, amen. But I don't ever want it to become a source of pride where I can look down on the sinner and say, look at you, you're filthy. Look at those earrings. Look at those gauges. Look at those tattoos. Look at this. Look at that. Oh, you're some terrible, uh-uh-uh. Man, when they're, when they're not welcome in the church, man, we've went too far. Amen. Amen. And it's tragic. You say, what's tragic? We come to the end of the story and everybody's in the home except the older brother. And we, and we end the story that way. There's the father. He came out looking for him. Because he's looking for you if that's your attitude this morning. But the Bible never says the older brother came in. I am just as scared of sinners walking into church and leaving lost as I am of self-righteous people walking into church. And leaving lost. Amen. I'm just as scared. I'm just as scared when I raise kids. I, don't want, I did not want one of my three boys, preacher, I didn't want one of my three boys to go out to the far country and start running out in sin. But it would be a terrible thing if any of my three boys got so self-righteous, amen, yes. they couldn't fellowship with sinners. Amen. Because at the end of the day, what matters is, are you in fellowship with the Father or not? Heads bowed, eyes closed, now the piano player can come. Heads bowed, eyes are closed. Are you in fellowship with the Father? Are you here this morning and you're a sinner? Can I tell you, if you're a sinner, you qualify for a Savior. You couldn't get saved if you weren't a sinner. You need to get saved because you are a sinner. Can I tell you this morning, are you here this morning and you say, well, I'm not where I need to be as a son. Can, can I tell you, if you just come down to this altar, you could leave where you need to be with the Father. Amen. You could. Man, he's waiting for you. If you're a sinner, you can come and get saved. I'm going to turn this over to the pastor in just a minute, and he's going to have this invitation. But I'm just simply saying to you this morning, if you're a sinner, you can get saved. If you're a son, you can get right. If you're a self-righteous older brother, I'm begging you, don't go down that road. Don't be like the Pharisees. Don't be like, well, our church is too good for sinners to come in here. Man, what are we going to do if sinners come in our church? What are we going to do if our church fills up with these kinds of people? That's why we are here. Amen. And if that's your attitude or if there's any part of you that says, man, I feel like I could be going down that road. Can I tell you, it'd be a good time to get in the house and fellowship with the Father. Amen. Man, God's waiting for you. If you're here, God loves you. 
He would love to meet you at an altar. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please now, she's going to begin playing. The preacher, I believe, is going to be coming here in just a moment. And I pray, God, you'd work on hearts, Lord. I beg, Lord, that the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost of God would work in that sinner's heart this morning that's here. Lord, I pray, Lord, if there's a sinner here, if there's someone here that's never been saved, I pray, Lord, they wouldn't leave that way. I pray they'd get saved now. I pray if there's someone here that's contemplating the fire country, a son, a saved person, but backslidden on God, Lord, maybe our heart's starting to grow cold towards you. God, help us to find our way to an altar and get that fellowship restored. And Lord, I pray, Lord, pride is so, it's so easy to slip into my life. If there's any part of me or any part of anybody here, that'd be letting that pride creep back up and saying, well, look at just how good I am and how, God, I pray you'd rid us of that attitude, Lord. And God... I pray when we leave here that every person that's in this auditorium right now would leave here in fellowship with the Father. That's my prayer. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.